deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast. Brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Vaughn Warnke, the Outdoor Success Guy, back with another podcast. It is hunting season, folks, and I am so excited to be here in front of you today and be able to talk about... Um, this is stuff that we love about the outdoors, man. Like Chester Moore says on his radio show, if you don't like the outdoors, baby, you're weird. Um, I love this stuff. I love you guys all for your support. Thank you so much for the Facebook messages and uh, all the support you've given me over the years. This podcast has been going on for about three and a half, uh, two and a half years, going on three years. It'll be three years this spring. Um, and uh, we've just been rocking it, dude. I love doing this show, guys. It's cathartic for me. Therapeutic is what I mean. Uh, I love doing that. And I brought on a special guest on this podcast, Lou Marillo. He is also known by the stage name of Eric Adams in the 80s metal band Man of War. Um, <laughs> love this guy. Uh, Lou is our hunting editor as well as our bow hunting specialist at Texas Fishing Game. He writes a column every month uh, of the magazine and has just different interesting new content every single month. Um, I just I love him as a columnist. He does a great job uh, getting out there and, uh, and, and teaching his art of bow hunting to everybody. So this is going to be more of a hunting podcast all the way around, not just for bow hunters because we're going to talk about the rut. We're going to talk about um, some best practices you can do for bringing deer in. And I apologize in advance on this show because we had some, some connection difficulties in certain a few parts of the show where you can hardly understand Lou, but I'm going to go through and edit, I've gone through is what I'm trying to say and edit those out um, and uh, and try to make it as clear as possible for you. But you can at least say see what he's saying. It just breaks up in a couple of parts and that's just the way it works with technology. I mean, last time Lou and I were on the phone, he couldn't hear me and this time I had trouble hearing him. So <laughs> go figure. But I kind of kept it going and I think you'll like the show. Just be patient with it this week and um, uh, be patient with, uh, with the technical difficulties that we were having. I didn't want to stop him because we were having a great conversation and restart the call because i think with just tactical cell phones are crazy so that's just the way it goes sometimes but a couple of housekeeping notes if you've not done so please subscribe to the podcast it is free you get a new show every two weeks and uh we will also be doing the newsletter every three days every week okay tuesday Wednesday, Thursday, subscribe to that at fishgame.com. There'll be a little section on the sidebar on the right. You can scroll down and subscribe to the newsletter. It is free as well. Um, we have the podcast every Thursday in this newsletter, whether it's a bi-week or an actual new podcast. We, we broadcast those there on the newsletter. Our list is over 60,000 uh, newsletter subscribers, so that's kind of cool. And people can basically tune in and um, and check out the, uh, the podcast that way. You can also subscribe on your favorite uh, podcast player, such as your iTunes app or um, your Apple Podcast app, I guess is what they call it now, a Stitcher, uh, let's see, um, Spotify has us now, iHeartRadio has us, all those different places you listen to audio stuff, uh, you can check that out. And we're also on YouTube and Facebook, so I post every one of these shows uh, on those uh, pages, and I'm going to start posting the last ones on fishgame.com's page, uh, Texas Fishing Game Magazine's Facebook page. So, um, lots of fun in the outdoors, guys. I've been having a blast. So, before we get into our interview with Lou, I just want to talk about how the beginning of season has been. 
I hung out with my buddy Danny Berry at DB Wallgame Processing and Taxidermy in Bertram, Texas, about 30 minutes away from where I live in Leander here. And uh, Danny and I hung out and brought in a lot of deer at uh, uh, for hunting season at uh, at his processing place. And they have a nice little it was a gas station years and years ago, probably back in the 50s. They've converted into a little hunting store. It has you know all kinds of jewelry and uh, hunting gear and batteries and all kinds of stuff for your feeder. They have all seasons feeders and Lamico feeders and uh, deer stands and all kinds of stuff in there they sell as well but their main thing is a deer processing and wild game and uh, wild hog and exotic uh processing uh meat processing plant and let me tell you man we saw some brutes the, one of the customers at db hunting ranch brought in a 227 i think inch deer we have him on uh, the facebook page at db hunting ranch uh facebook page he killed him off of our property one of our high fence properties there and um and, uh, you know, basically that's the ranch I work for, by the way, uh, basically, uh, also saw two elk cows come in on Saturday and a nice red stag came in on Saturday. And then Sunday I field dressed a red deer cow that came in best field dressing job I've ever done guys. I swear. I mean, this is awesome. I did the, uh, the cavity white, the, the, um, you know, the back end in uh, cavity where you have the, um, the anus and all that stuff. I, I cleared that out. Right. Um, I, the, I didn't get any urine anywhere. I didn't get any guts anywhere. I didn't nick anything. I <laughs> basically just was a rock star. Clean that thing out like a surgeon. And, uh, and that was the cleanest field dressing job I've done under a controlled environment like that, hanging on a gambrel. And I was kind of proud of myself and I feel just a lot of stuff over the years but i was really really proud of myself the way that worked so that was great took jackson with me for part of the time this weekend and uh opening weekend and uh, for gun season and he kind of got to see the outdoor lifestyle and how that works and that's my whole point in this show what i'm trying to say here is that this whole hunting season thing is not just about going out there and killing stuff okay for me it's about the lifestyle it's about hanging out with friends uh whether that means you know socializing drinking a couple cold ones whatever the case may be it all matters matters is my point and that's what i'm gonna talk about in the uh in the podcast today with lou is uh the, th the stuff with bow hunters you know how a lot of bow hunters a lot of times will alienate other people that are trying to bow hunt with a stick and string of some kind um such as compound bow hunters not not appreciating and, and calling hunting bow hunting with crossbows okay um you know that's the thing uh compound uh traditional bow hunters or trad shooters as we call them uh shooting uh you know their their original stick and string you know self bows or uh or um uh recurves or uh, long bows and then saying that other people are not uh they're using training wheels or they're using compound bows so we're going to talk about a little bit of that in the podcast too and it's one of those things where I I just say, hey, they're, they're, we're kind of a, a small, tight-knit group as it is, as hunters. Uh, we're all hunters, okay? Uh, we're Can't we all just get along, is my point. And I'm writing about that in the article that I'm writing for the Lone Star Bowhunters Association magazine. Uh, it's called It's All Matters. It all matters. And so that's my whole plan with that, is to try to bring us together as a sport, uh, try to mention the outdoor lifestyle meaning something, and not just about going out and the pursuit of killing or catching stuff. Some of the best times I've spent out in the woods, or times that I haven't shot anything and because every time you pull the trigger or hit the release or release the string uh, and if it's a successful hunt you've got not a successful hunt but if it's a hunt where you end up taking a harvest uh, taking a kill um, you've got a lot of work in front of you you know uh, and so Lou, Lou basically makes the point that the hunt is over when you go to full draw and bow hunting or pull the trigger or hit the release or whatever the case may be in bow hunting or gun hunting um, you know it, it's a whole nother realm of possibilities when after you've 
release that string or uh, or pull that trigger. And um, you know that that's just the lifestyle is what I'm so about, guys. And I'm, I'm about teaching our next generation. My son Jackson, who loves his iPhone, loves to hang out, you know, watch videos and stuff like that all the time, play his games. But trying to get him out more where he is he is in the outdoor lifestyle. He's in the the fishing. He's into hunting. I've kind of got him in some of that. But this this, this generation of kids, I'm just trying to really get them engaged. The plural generation, as they're called, or generation uh, YZ, or I forget what they call it now. But anyway, that's my whole point there. Is I'm trying to just be authentic and be real and be relevant uh, to that younger generation, as well as to the uh, up and coming generation of bow hunters and gun hunters, and then uh, to our to our fellow you know bow hunting veterans or whatever you want to call it, experienced old salts uh, that are in bow hunting. I'm really trying to. Um, to bring home the uh, the outdoor lifestyle message to those folks, and also spread out, you know, if you're dealing with anti hunters, if you're dealing with people that don't believe the way that you believe, um, you know, it's 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 all about just getting along and spreading the outdoor lifestyle message of how healthy it is to be in the outdoors, how good it is for the environment as far as hunting goes, uh, how good conservation is, and how important that is for duck hunters, for uh, for migratory birds like that, for um, you know, for, for, for eradication of feral hogs and that kind of stuff. I mean, all that matters. So that's my whole point there. And before we get into this podcast, I want to talk real quick about the bow hunting equipment that I use before we get into this, because we don't really talk about brands and stuff so much in this show, but uh, I'm a big fan. If you are a hunter, a uh, bow hunter, and I'm going to be broadcasting this uh, in a couple of Facebook groups uh, that deal with strictly bow hunter uh, people and bow hunter uh, enthusiasts, if you will, um, Groom Reaper Broadheads. They're one of my personal sponsors, and I'm I'm on their pro staff and uh i've not lost a deer yet i've been shooting uh grim reaper for probably nine years now i'd say about the same time i got my son jackson was born uh i got my first crossbow and then before then i was shooting compound bow and and really you know we've been on the pro staff for probably the best i guess i've been bow hunting for the last um 12 years now and uh shot my first crossbow in 2009 so you know eight or nine years basically and and the thing is i've had a lot of success with the two inch whitetail specials from grim reaper uh they leave a, a three blade broadhead leaves a great hole um i've had a lot of experience with uh with their uh their broadheads being successful especially in a lot of the urban areas that i hunt by that i mean areas that are like in people's backyards literally okay that back up to a creek or back up to a county road up the hill hill uh in one of the cases it was both and uh basically i could not afford for those deer to run too far because they'd be on other people other landowners land that i didn't have permission to go to and so basically i learned uh how to put them down quick and grim reaper did the job every single time with a crossbow or a compound bow and uh the two inch whitetail specials or the inch and a half uh crossbow heads i've used both with a lot of success and um have a lot of fun repping for them and uh the pro staff stuff also gold tip arrows uh and gold tip bolts uh before i use gold tip i use luminero bolts and arrows and luminero's made by the fine folks at luminoc uh luminocs are great as far as tracking your shot after the shot goes off they're pretty waterproof uh, i've shot them into creeks and streams and stuff before and they just float float on down you know i know where to find them at least and can you know, recover my arrow to see what the blood's like if it's not on water and uh and what i what i'm doing you know at least find the arrow and recover the arrow and the broadhead if i if it is in water but basically um i've had a lot of success with gold tip being the probably most durable arrow and bolt that i've shot um unless you lose one i mean they'll last you for a while and then um 
The other thing is um, is our friends at uh, Luminoc. You know, they make those press-in Luminaros and Luminoc. You know, the whole arrow with the Luminoc included, or they make the Lumin uh, Luminocs for your bow or, or bow or uh, compound arrow uh, or bolt. And basically, um, track your shot. You know, see if it's a good shot on camera. I film all my hunts just about. I haven't been able to this year so much, but um, I try to film my hunts a lot. And uh, really have had good experiences with both of those companies. Or all three of those companies. It's Luminot, Gold Tip, and Grim Reaper. That's kind of a good. And then for my crossbow, I've been shooting uh, Barnett, but Excalibur is one of the shows, uh, uh, one of the friends of the magazine because they've advertised with us, and Barnett has in the past too. So both of those I highly recommend. And there are a lot of great things, a lot of great products on the market. The nice thing about today is that you don't have to deal with garbage anymore like you did, unless you're shopping overseas in some cases, okay? Um, but most of the American companies, even if they get it manufactured in China, um, are really, really good, high-quality things, and the marketplace has weeded out the garbage. And that's a nice thing about where we are right now in hunting season. It's a nice thing about where we are in um, in gun season as well, because ammunition's another thing that's a big hot, to hot topic right now, conversation, who makes the best load for this or this gun or whatever. And uh, my whole point with all this is you need to practice with what you're going to kill with, with your, or you're going to hunt with, and you need to shoot to kill. And what I mean that by that is in the, uh, in the hunting world, don't take for granted that one brand of ammunition is going to have the same point of impact as another all right i teach about this new hunters about this all the time shoot to kill make sure that you are hunting with the same brand load uh case pack whatever the case may be of the ammunition before and if you're not go to the range and work that out ahead of time all right and have plenty of ammunition reserved for your hunt don't expect that the one box is going to you know because it's a different brand is going to shoot the same exact point of impact as the other same deal with arrows okay a lot of arrows i've shot lumen arrows they have a bit different point of impact with uh with them than uh than the uh gold tip bolts that i bought all right for a crossbow or the uh, arrows that i bought for my compound bow so Anyway, that's just one of the things that I um, I think is is vitally important in whatever you do is just make sure that you practice with what you're going to hunt with, hunt with what you're going to practice with, um, and keep things steady. A lot of these broadhead packs, Grim Reapers, one of them, come with practice heads, so you'll really be in good shape there. And uh, and there you go. So here's my interview with Lou Marillo, uh, also known as Eric Adams, like I said earlier, uh, from the band Man of War. And... Um, love this guy he's he's a great great uh bow hunting editor that we have and hunting editor that we have and um just have a lot of fun uh with this interview so here we go with our interview with lou marillo thanks so much for listening joining me on the phone mr lou marillo our rock star uh bow hunting editor and hunting editor how you doing today lou i'm doing great justin good talking to you uh how's hunting season been with you so far and um i just want to get into some tactics and tips for bow hunting um and bow season and stuff but also just general hunting yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so far I'm I'm up in New York right now. Uh -huh. So far the uh, so far the uh, weather up here has not been uh, has not been good for bull hunting because you know, if it's raining almost every day it's raining you just can't go out there and rain. Um, you know some guys do but I I don't think it's ethical because if you have a hit how are you gonna follow the blood trail? Right. Uh, you just can't do it in the rain. I'm not hunting in the rain. Because I hunt to have fun, and it's not fun. With it's not fun of the rain. The back of my neck. <laughs> so Especially if but, you have uh, no cover around your tree stand, for sure. You know, because you're yeah, a big tree stand. Yeah, that's Yeah, I mean, I've got one of these, uh, the umbrellas that I usually. It's part of my gear. I sure. keep with me, and if, it's, if it gets crappy out, well, then I put the umbrella up. And, <laughs> 
do the best I can. But uh, if it starts raining, nope, that's me. I get out. I'm done. Well, it's just kind of like when it rains sideways, there's not a whole lot an umbrella can help with, you know? It's been raining sideways here. We've had some, you know, I think tomorrow they're calling 50 mile an hour gusts. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going out in that. That's not my idea of a good time. The trees rattle and and, move your trees. (laughs) And the one thing I wanted to get into before we get too far into this is you're big about tree stand safety. And every time I have you on the show, I bring that home is that how important it is that you make it mandatory gear to have your tree stand harness for safety. Never, never go in the woods without it. It's my American Express card of hunting. I, I never go in the woods without that. That's part of my gear. I just, uh, first thing I do is the last thing I throw on my, over my, uh, camo and uh that's the first thing i do when i get up in the stand is i hook myself up safely to that tree and then i bring everything else up no that's important but uh yeah i always make sure it's it's, i'm connected to that tree all the time so and is there a brand of tree stand harness that you recommend lou um well there's a bunch of them out there i don't want to recommend any brand in particular but uh yeah, I, uh, the tree stand safety system, uh, the TSS safety system uh-huh. there, that's what I use. Okay. But, uh, and I'll tell you, when this, if that ever breaks, anything goes wrong with that, I'll get another one the next day. Right. <laughs> I won't be without it. No, that's good. So that's a good one to look at. I'm just not a big tree stand hunter. I mainly hunt ground blinds here in Texas. But, I mean, I know you've been a big tree stand hunter for years and years and years, and you teach bow, bow hunting education classes and everything else that you do. And yeah. it just really – um. You're one of our champions here at the magazine, Lou, for sure. Oh, it's good to know. Thanks. It's yeah. great. No, Jester and I talk about you all the time and how great of a great of a bow hunter you are. And, and you know, I just want to, you know, talk about today, you know, I submitted my article for uh, Lone Star Bow Hunters Association magazine, right. which I'm the editor of. And I my article title was It All Matters. And basically it's just talking about how if you're a recurve shooter, don't make fun of compound bows having training wheels. If you right. are a, a compound <laughs> bow hunter, don't make fun of crossbows not being bow hunting because it all matters. Yeah, yeah that's right. It does. Come on. I mean, there's either there's a place for any kind of bow out there there really is and and you know i first started out with a recurve uh they didn't even invent cross uh, it didn't invent uh the compound bow yet right In the 70s the compound bow came out and uh you know there was a there was a controversy then you know yes about shooting a, a compound bow you know it's not the same it's too easy <laughs> and right. not so easy i'm gonna tell you that no and uh it's funny because I get the same controversy now with crossbow season. Yes. And, uh, if people are saying, uh, you know, how can you shoot with a crossbow? That's a rifle. And, well, I beg to differ. I really do. I think, you know, what about the, what about the, the senior who has bad shoulders and can't draw the compound bow anymore? Does that mean he's done hunting? Yeah. You know? Does that draw him out of shooting stick and string? I don't think it should, for sure. And no. And if you got a kid with you and it's easier for him to pull the trigger and still shoot an arrow out, what the heck? Why not let them? Why not let them do that? And enjoy the season. Right. You know, everyone's just got to get along here. I mean, there's there's just too much going on in the world today. And you have to take the time to waste the time right. arguing about uh, which implement you're going to use to take a deer. You know, it's right. crazy. It's frivolous or arguments. Turkey. 
Uh, or turkey too that's right or mm-hmm. our big thing here in texas is exotics you know which is uh which is a big thing too and uh, i've seen a lot of you know we we recently at the ranch i work with had a had a long bow hunter that didn't bring anything back up and i always tell my bow hunters that i sell hunts to hey bring it back up just in case and he had to use the guide's gun to close the deal on a deer after missing it twice with a longbow and the guy just yeah. picked up a longbow shooting and basically said okay i'm a longbow shooter now and i'm like man that, that's <laughs> that's 15 years of practice right there isn't it yeah oh yeah you never know what's going to happen. I went down, I was hunting once in Missouri, and uh, I, I climbed up in this tree stand. It was quite dark, you know, and the first thing I did, I hooked myself up to the safety line. And then I pulled up my bow and I hunted for the day, right? And right. Uh, when, it was time, when it was time to leave, you know, I, I hooked the line around my bow to, to lower it down uh, to the ground, and uh, the line snapped, Ooh. and my bow went flying down. Okay. Oh goodness! Smashed down on the ground. Here I am in Missouri. I says, "Oh, this is not a good thing." Right. And when I went back to the ranch, the guy the guy looked at me and he said, uh, "Well, I happen you're lucky. I happen to know somebody who works on bows." And the guy came out to the ranch and uh, fixed my bow for me, so I could hunt the next morning. Oh wow! <laughs> I would have been. Really screwed if I didn't have that. Right. Guy. No, that's a good. Yeah. That's a good point for sure. And it's one of those things that you know, just showing up prepared on your hunt. I I guided a, a youth hunter earlier this year in January on a six by six elk trophy elk hunt. And oh, cool. basically, you know, he brought one arrow and one broadhead on that arrow. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to write a, a Texas Fishing Game blog post about this and basically say, bring more than one arrow on your hunt. Because <laughs> I talked about the boating adventure I went where we blew a $23,000 motor because the guy was wouldn't wouldn't trim the motor up while he was, while he was puttering through the shallows. And it's just, you know, so I'm like, man, this is like the year I'm learning all kinds of stuff not to do in the woods and on the water. It's okay. You owe that to the end. Oh yeah, the ethical, yeah, the, ethical, the ethical part of it for sure, yeah. So, I mean, and he needed a second arrow, so we had to go all the way back to the truck and get a second arrow and stock up on him again. And this is a six by six elk. This is not, you know, this is a thirty eight hundred dollar hunt here, you know, which is cheap yeah. compared to where you go in Colorado and that kind of stuff. But you know, oh, yeah. it's one of those things where I was just like, man, I mean, he's a young hunter, he's sixteen years old, but I mean, God bless him, you know. I mean, so. And he had a quiver. He just didn't have but one arrow. I guess he was trying to do the Jim Shockey thing and, and basically, oh. you know, tried to do one shot, one kill kind of thing. But unless you're Jim Shockey, I wouldn't I wouldn't tempt that. I wouldn't tempt fate, well, you know. Yeah. So um, what kind of tips and tactics do you have this time of year? We're in November right now. We're about halfway through uh, November when this podcast releases. Yeah. And what kind of things do you, uh, do you look at this time of year for bow hunting or gun hunting or both? Well, for both, really. This is, this is the rut time. They're starting right. to rut. They're, uh, it's the most exciting time for any hunter to be out there in the field. It's uh, you know it's a good thing and and you know I I found this tip and it worked really well for me. <laughs> you know I don't know if the readers uh, of the magazine, readers of my column, they always see me uh, come up with these crazy ideas sometimes, but they works. Right. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do. But um, this time of year, you know, when the does are being chased by the bucks and they don't want anything to do with the bucks early in the run hunt near water there's near a stream near a near a river like a creek or something Um, like that yeah right yeah i do i like to hunt near that and i'll tell you why because uh the does are running away from the bucks right they're running all day long and they they either stop for water but i i know they also will run the water to to scent so the buck can't find this oh to to elude the buck okay i see what you're saying yeah 
But, oh yeah, I mean during the ruts, during the rut, you really you still always have to be careful of your scent. I mean that's the big deal. You've got to you've got to really watch your human scent. You got to control that. And the only thing that I've ever found to control that is is uh, uh, um, the machine. What's it called? I can't remember the name of the machine now. The uh, oh the Ozonics. Is, thank you. The Ozonics. That thing works and it works well. It's the only thing that that I found that that makes you invisible in the woods. And you know? basically what that does is, is takes the scent of the hunter and, and runs it through an ozone, you know, device and basically puts right. out. So it's no, I've read your review on this and I was honest as advertised with this before. So I know a little bit about their product. Unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. I, uh, you know, I used it just two days ago. I was up in my tree stand. I, you know, the ruts kicking in up here and I grunted and I, wasn't 30 seconds later i saw i saw an antlers coming towards me it was a six pointer and and at this day of my, my life i i let a six pointer walk you know i'm wow. not gonna shoot it but but it was coming to me and it stopped and it was smelling it was up in here smelling and it started knew i was there it, it came right it into wow. me wow, <laughs> came wow, right wow. Into me. yeah it was a nice wide rack you know but it was just it was a young you know year and a half two year old deer and, uh, you know, not that, and I'm not telling anybody who's listening to this to let it go. To me, this year, I'm looking for a pretty, I'll go without a deer this year if, if it needs needs be. But, uh, you know, heck, if you, you know, if you're your first time out hunting or, or your 10th time out, 10th year out hunting, you know, uh, if, if you if you think that six-pointer is going to be the one that you want to bring home, he's a trophy for you. Take right, him. Right. Take him. You know, I, I can't stand these television shows that say, well, I'm letting him walk. He's only a four-year-old deer. Right. I'm gonna, he's going to look good next year. Forget it. <laughs> Forget it. That's not the norm. The norm is the year-and-a-half, two-year-old deer. That's what the norm is, you know. Yeah. Take them if you can. It's a personal choice. I This year I just told my wife, I said, you know, we might go without a deer. I'll shoot a doe first, but we right. got a buck this year because I'm just going to let him walk. I want a nice one if I can. Sure. Yeah. I'll tell you why, too. <laughs> last year, last year when I was out, I took a I took an eight-point buck uh, because I had to go out. On, he was a small basket rack eight-pointer. Eight you know, it was a pretty good-sized deer. But not a, I, got, I got back home the next day. I told my wife, I said, I still got two days to hunt before the tour. Right. So I said, I'm going to try to pull a doe tag. So I went out, and that day when I was out, I had two monster bucks walk into me. <laughs> I couldn't shoot. Oh, I couldn't. Boy. I told Chester about it. I said, Chester, I had this one deer, biggest deer I've seen in months. He was less than 30 yards, 25 yards or so away from me. Wow. And I couldn't shoot him. I couldn't shoot. I didn't have a tag. I didn't have a, a tag for him. I had to let him walk. Right. And I said, that will not happen this year. No. Not this year. No, you so can't prepare you this year. Yeah, for this sure. This year I can't prepare. That's right. I just don't care about it. I'm going to I'm gonna really try to hunt for the big one this year. So. No, that's good. That's really good. Uh, so this time of year with the rut going on, I, I saw some deer on Facebook that somebody videoed here in Texas that basically were, were already fighting, you know, already uh, you know, rattling, rattling in. So do you rattle bones this time of year, or you? Uh, what do you do? I do. I get up there, and, you know, um, if, I, if, I, if it's a slow morning, I, I normally just use the rut call in the morning. Uh -huh. um, and I use call? a grunt call when I'm walk. I use a grunt call when I'm walking to the stand too. 
Okay. I just used, to disguise I, I, your presence? Is that what? Is yeah, that what yeah. Doing? I mean, you aren't, aren't going to hide the, your footsteps. It's just the way it goes. And, and so I try to walk like an animal in the woods. I don't walk with a steady pace. Right. I walk with a broken, broken pace, you know, just two steps here, three steps there. And I'll grunt every once in a while, just a little grunt. And I'll uh, get to my stand, and, and basically that's how I'm hunting for the early morning. Uh, right. As the morning goes on, if it's pretty slow, you know, I'll take my rail in antlers this time of year. You've got about a 10-day window, and it really works. The rattling works. And it doesn't work all the time. You know, that's, right. that's why they call it hunting and not shopping. You know, <laughs> not grocery shopping, yeah. That's, exactly. that's right. It doesn't work all the time. But when it does, you won't forget it. You right. won't forget it. I, yeah. Uh, a few years back, I was up in the stand, and I, it was a slow morning. It was a sunny morning, crisp, cold morning, and I rattled the antlers and nothing. I waited a few minutes. I did it again, and all of a sudden, I heard I heard footsteps coming quicker and quicker, and I'm looking through the trees, and I could see, I could see legs of deer coming right to me, and I'm watching, I'm watching it still, and it comes, it came right to my tree stand, right underneath my tree stand. And it was an eight-point buck right underneath my tree stand, looking with his eyes. His eyes were huge, and his the hair on his back was up like a dog. He was like, <sighs> he was ready for action. Wow. And I'm staring at him. I'm staring at him with my eyes wide open. My mouth was I'm in my lap. <laughs> my, my rattling antlers were still in my hand, and my bow was hanging down the tree next to me. And I said, what am I going to do now? There's nothing I can do about it. But I'm going to tell you something, Dustin. That was probably one of the best hunts I've ever had. Never came home with an animal. But, boy, did I have fun. Well, your heart <laughs> has got to be beating out of your chest at that point, right? Oh, it was great. It was, I love that. I love that. When I when I lose that feeling, when the heart stops beating quick like that, and I lose that excitement, that adrenaline rush, it's time to give it up. Yeah. Time to put the bow up and just walk away from it. That's one reason yeah. a lot of us bow hunt right there. That exact reason right there is just for the rush, oh. you know, just for oh, the, yeah. it. It's better than any drug on this planet. I mean, it's 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 awesome. No doubt. No doubt. It's really cool. So, yeah, I, I just, um, you know, one of the things that you alluded to a minute ago was, uh, was calling, uh, you know, high grunts, low yeah. grunts. I mean, do you grunt while you, while you rattle, uh, what, what's your strategy there? Yeah. I have the grunt call in my mouth while I'm rattling. Okay. Um, and I try to make it, you know, sound realistic. Sure. Um, you know, you're better off rattling from the ground, uh -huh. um, especially if you're hunting with another person. Uh, it sounds more realistic if you're on the ground sure. and you're and you're pushing, you're kicking things around, and you're making a lot of racket and, and grunting at the same time, and you know let the other guy have the bow, right? You know, and you make a racket, and the deer comes in to look at you, and the other guy might get a shot at it, right? But uh, you know, when you're hunting alone, I still do it up in a tree stand, even though, even though it's not a realistic uh, thing uh, to for a deer. Uh, you still get their attention. You know, they'll come in the area and they'll look it up and they'll see what's going on. And you know, they might not come in. They 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 may come in, but they they're going to be a little curious about it. You know, and uh, so yeah, I, I do that all the time. I grunt low while I'm doing it, and it's fun. It's hey, you know, this is the game, okay, this is the game we play. Sure, that is <laughs> and, a game. And it's a game. You got to use all the rules of the game and have a good time doing it. Yeah. 
No, it's yeah. that's vitally important. And, and you know, to, to to your point, uh, my dad, you know, says it best. I think you know that I've heard it put in hunting terms. Is he says kind of like being out in a courtyard, you know, and basically yeah. a a uh, you you hear the word fight, you know, and everybody wants to come yeah. and look, you know. So. Yeah, that's you know what? That's right. That's absolutely right. So yeah, that's, that, that's something that's I've got to hell with me when it comes to this time of year with the rut kicking in and everything like that. It's just that, you know, everybody's like, whoa, I got to go see what's going on. You know, you attract does and spikes and, you know, and, oh, and yeah. bigger deer and everything like that. But, um, you know, but bow hunting, there's nothing quite like it. And I mean, I'm not going to get too much into the, um, the gear that I, I mean, I'll, I'll talk before and after this, this interview, you know, the gear that I mm -hmm. use for bow hunting, but you're more of a fixed mm -hmm. blade fan for, um, for, uh, deer hunting and you're more of a mechanical fan for turkey hunting, correct? That is correct. Totally correct. I remember. Yeah. I, yeah, I take notes when we talk, you know that Lou? <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> because if you use a fixed blade, uh, the arrow goes right through the bird. And uh, if it goes through the bird, the bird flies off. You're never gonna find it. It's gonna right. be food. yeah. It's gonna um, be kind of food. Yeah. Yeah. You know the energy it takes to open up the blades uh, is enough to slow the arrow down. It goes about halfway through the bird, and, and the bird can't take off with that. So, right. Yeah. You you find them. Um, I don't like to use mechanical broadheads here, and it's you know I find a broadhead that I'm happy with and I stick with it. Sure. Um, it's it's a personal choice you know sure what i mean i'm not saying that they're bad things they're they certainly are good you know there's i just like to use them uh, a fixed blade because if it's mechanical i'm of the opinion that if something can go wrong it, it will right and if i if i'm at full draw at a beautiful buck that i want to take or doe that i want to take and uh i let the arrow fly and for some reason it doesn't open the blades don't open or you know something happens i've done nothing but wound that animal and i would have rather missed the animal sure you know than than the wounded so yeah it, it, i i'm i like the fixed blades for deer yeah. okay no that's cool i just i was just curious your your rundown there when it comes to bow and um you know for uh for deer sense do you use anything like one of the companies you and i both tried products for is vapor trail sense um yeah any, any yeah. thoughts on they've got uh sheila sheila doe and heat they've got a uh, a boat uh buck doe fawn urine and and some other stuff or some other scents like that that i'm using this year what is your experience as far as whatever is out there yeah, I, I try to stay away from scents as much as possible. Okay. Now, when it comes into the heavy rut like it is now, that's the only time I'm going to use a scent. And okay. I use the uh, I use the dough and heat scent all the time for this time of year. Sure. And I try not to use what everyone else is using, you know. So you don't you um, kind of stand out from the pack, right? Is that the idea? Exactly. Okay. If everyone's using a certain product, every hunter out there is in the field using a certain product. I, I try to find out what they're using and, you know, what's popular in the area and I'll try to get something else. So I stick out a little different, you know sure. what I mean? And a I deer's do. nose is an amazing thing. You know, you've got uh, a human, a human nose. And I've written this before. A human nose has, has 5 million uh, sem, um, Sent, uh, receptors. Yeah. That's the right way to say yeah. it, right? Okay. It's 5 million for a human. A dog has 220. 220 million scent <laughs> receptors, you know, and that's why they use them for when they're, you know, locating drugs or, or locating criminals or whatever, you know, 220 million scent receptors. A deer has 297 million scent receptors. 
I've written about that before too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, how do you get that close to a deer? It's amazing to get that close to a deer. So, I mean, it, for me, uh, if you're using cover scents and things like that, I think at a personal level, I think a deer can pick that out. You know, during um, the rut, maybe not. I don't know, but uh, um, I think a deer can can pick out whether it's it's real or not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I do. Um, but I still use the scent because, again, it's part of the game. It's a chess piece that I like to use, mm-hmm. um, and I only use it during the rut. So. Yeah, only during the rut. And it's kind of like playing playing chess in a way because you move your your ball down the field, so to speak, you know, in a in a sports game. But you you move your your pawns forward first. You use your yeah. best strategy. It's a strategy game, right? Is that what you're saying? It is. It really is. I mean, you know, I think it's more. To be out there. It's a little late now in the year, but to be out there early in the season and, and follow the deer patterns, what are they doing? What are they feeding on? What's the food source at that time? Right. You know, and and find out what their pattern is. And so for pre for pre rut time, I like to go out there and I just know the deer's pattern and I right. try to fool the deer that way. And I just keep my human scent down as much as I possibly can, and uh, you know, see if I can fool the deer. You know. And, uh, again, the only time I ever go beyond that is during the rut. Okay. And that's when I say, okay, I know the deer's pattern, but the pattern doesn't matter anymore during this time of year. Right. You know, bucks are chasing does everywhere. So right. you got to catch their attention another way. So I may even use a, uh, I may take my grunt call out and I'll take, a, a you know, those, uh, um, uh, canisters, uh-huh. yep. the bleed canisters. canisters. I'll take yeah. those bleed canisters and I'll, I'll turn it like three or four times and on the last time i turn it i'll grunt at the same time uh-huh i'll grunt like it's okay there's two different deer there right i'll grunt and then i'll grunt again and then i turn my head to one direction and i'll, I'll tending grunt i'll do a bad bad mm-hmm. bad bad and i'll be turning my head every time i call to make it make it simulate the deer walking towards us i see way. okay you know, and it really, I'm telling you, that works. Sure. It works. If, if there's a buck within that area and he knows, well, there's a, there's a doe, uh, in, in doe in heat, it can hear it, and there's a buck following it, I'm going to go in there and investigate. Mm-hmm. So, hey, why it, not? It's another chess piece, right? It, it peaks that curiosity level in an animal. Yeah, it sure does. Sure that does. primitive curiosity so, that at least wants to go see what that sound was and at least investigate further. Yeah, I think that's that's yeah, great. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a great tips. You know, that's part of hunting. It's it's part of it all. You know what I mean? Well, you've been at it's, it for uh, what, 30, 30 plus years as a bow hunter or longer 30, than that? Yeah, 30 plus. Yeah, years, I'll just say 30 right. plus, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. 30 plus years. Okay. We'll just keep it there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but no, that's... I've been uh, since I was 16. Oh, my gosh. My 60s now, so, you know, I've been hunting a long time. Yeah, do the math on that, yeah. But the one thing that's made me die hard about appreciating bow hunting is really your column, which I before I came to work for the magazine full-time, I, um, I, I would read it and be like, this guy really has a good head on his shoulders. I mean, I really enjoy, I still do your columns and I'm just kind of like, it's, you come up with something original for every issue. And even the non bow hunting months where we're out shooting 3d archery and everything else, you know, I mean, I'm just like this guy is something else. Well, you know, I got a a group of friends. We all like to try new things all the time. You know, some things work, some things don't, but, uh, you know, it makes sense. Somebody, you know, we always, um, if we had a tree stand in one spot and, uh, 
we're trying, and the deer aren't quite using that spot because they're using a different uh, route. Right. I've gone before. I've gone before and, and cleared out a path with with you know clippers and knocked down small trees and stuff. Cleared out a path so you can walk in front of me at twenty yards. Mm-hmm. You know, and Make it block, easier. You know, a black certain areas for where they normally would go. I'll, right. I'll put brush there and, and you know where they normally would run. So you know they wouldn't walk that way any longer. It's just they're lazy animals. They're gonna walk right towards you. They're, they're gonna look for the <laughs> yeah. They're gonna look for the path of least resistance to walk. Yeah, exactly. That's smart. Exactly. That's really and smart. Not only that, but when I when I uh, put my tree stand up, I find a way to get to the tree stand. So the wind is generally in my in your favor yeah. and i'll yeah yeah and i'll i'll take it and i'll go there pre-season and i'll i'll find my path to get in there and i'll bring a rake with me and a shovel and i'll clear up the the ground so i don't put my feet on anything oh, okay you know i'm clearing up the ground a little bit sure you know? keep it clear so you don't you don't just you know spook anything yeah so i'm as quiet as a mouse trying to get to my spot yeah sense. yeah yeah that makes sense. Yeah. And and I mean the more I the more I, I, I listen to this stuff and, and read it and everything else that's out there, I mean there's you know, the one thing that you've taught me, uh, I haven't told you this before, Lou, but the one of the guys at the Cast Blast Girl Chill podcast, Trevor and um uh Trevor and Jeremy, they they actually yeah. listened to your one episode that we did on underground bow hunting tech tips and they said that guy has got the most off the wall amazing things that work. <laughs> You know, and, and they, they, they like, he's got the most interesting stuff I've ever heard. And, and they talked about us on, on your, on their podcast. And I was like, thank you guys. I mean, what a good plug, but they were really impressed with your, with your skill, man. So. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. That'll be a lot of fun trying different things. You sure. Know, just, you never know. One time, I think I wrote about this one time, uh, we didn't have a, a good morning, but, uh, my buddy and I, and we said, well, let's just try something. So if my buddy takes my buddy takes his antlers that he had, right? The rattling antlers, uh-huh. and he put them up on top of his head, held them on top of his head. I get this. Okay, and I get this. He was dressed in camouflage. Of course, I am too. I bent down like a deer. Okay, I bent down behind him, and we both walk towards the deer. Uh-huh. We both walk towards the deer, and he's got the antlers on top of him. And every once in a while, he'd stop and move his head back and forth, you know, like it got within bow range of those deer before they finally realized they're about to have a bad day. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's kind of like stalking an antelope with an antelope picture, you know, or an antelope uh, life-size decal, you know. <laughs> exactly right. I never thought, I mean, we were both talking to each other on the way out there. Oh, my God, they're still there. They're not moving. They're looking at us, but they're not moving. And we kept walking closer and closer <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it was hilarious <laughs> <laughs> that is funny oh my gosh oh, Lou, that's man. hilarious <laughs> just stalking uh, up on a deer looking like a deer huh <laughs> you know exactly oh that's funny <laughs> that is funny man that is funny and oh, i've tried everything i've had the halloween i've had uh halloween uh uh dummies that i put up i make the dummies dummies yeah and put those in the tree stand stand. right yeah i remember you talked about that in the last and that's brilliant because you get a scarecrow with some kind of life-size you know life-size human looking thing i mean the deer look up and go okay that's just that guy i saw him there before right right? just try and do things yeah sure you know if you're hunting a thick area and you Uh can only cover one one deer run or one deer path um i have you know the the driveway patrols Mm -hmm. they're like uh uh, signal the beeps when, when somebody comes in your driveway. Uh-huh. You know, 
um, I had driveway patrol and I just disconnected the no- the noise. Yes. I didn't hear the beep, but I would still see the red light, and I put it on a tree. Yes. Deer height level, and at least I knew. Okay, here comes something. Right. No, that's I remember that you broke up a little bit there, but basically what what you're saying is a motion detector in a way uh, without the, mm-hmm. just snip off the alarm um, and uh, and use right. that as a is a because there's one guy I talked to on Facebook a while back now. He runs uh, a couple of deer hunting Facebook groups and he basically ta- has a whole system around just to do that exactly. But it's even cheaper to go to Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever and buy your own, yeah. you know, and and just have yeah. a yeah, it costs like ten dollars. You can get you know two with a drive way patrol things you know they're great it's perfect works out good wow that's a brilliant idea to do that that's great (laughs) yeah yeah and that's some of the stuff that my guys on the other podcast were like man never thought of that before (laughs) you know so it was just (laughs) one of those things we were having fun with so um oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> no, that's that's really good. Uh, so one of the things that you do that I'm really big about you with with uh, with the youth is you teach uh, bow hunting education classes uh, where you're at, right? Yeah, I do. Yep, I do. Been teaching for over 25 years now. Goodness. Yes, class. Yep. That's great. I enjoy it. I really do. I enjoy it. it it's uh, you know, it, I, I not only do I enjoy seeing the amount of people that are pick, picking up the sport, sure. um, I, I don't even teach them so much. I mean, I go over it fast. I teach them, okay, make sure you're, you know, you're shooting, you know, keep your arm, your arm straight. Sure. And I, I go through that when they go through the shooting exercises. But, you know, I tell them that, look, I, you're going to find tricks that work for you. You know, you're going to see the basics of how to, how to shoot an arrow. And, uh, you know, you're going to find out what works for you. And, right. It's more important that you know the safety aspects of of any hunt, you know, because bringing home an animal isn't quite. It doesn't mean it's it wasn't a great hunt. You know what I'm you know what yes, I'm saying? Correct. I, I tell them I tell the class that, you know, you know once you see a deer and the deer's coming your way, you get the full draw on that deer, and the deer has no idea that you're there, and you've practiced now, and and the deer is within your known accuracy range. That hunt is over right mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. If you decide to let that arrow fly, well, it's a whole new ball game then. Right. You know. Yep. But the hunt is over after you after you get to that spot. Yep. So. That's a good way yeah. to look at it, Lou. That really is. Yeah, I mean, I tell them it's, it doesn't. You know, people go out there and shoot a camera instead of a bow, and they, right. they've hunted like that, and that's okay if that's if that makes them happy. That's fine. You know, that's they get just as much excitement out of it. You know. Yeah. Um, I think it's good. I think it's, uh, you don't have to bring an animal home to have a successful hunt. Yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, a successful hunt is coming home safe. Yeah. That's a successful hunt. No, and just the experience. And the one thing that I've learned from you and other experienced veteran bow hunters, if you will, is that the experience brings wisdom and the wisdom brings experience. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, the more that we, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, we don't like to call ourselves veterans. We're just grizzled veterans. Right, grit. We've been around a lot. <laughs> grizzled hunters. <laughs> that's good. Oh, that's funny. Um, but no, that's great. Do you have anything to add? I don't want to keep you on forever, but I really appreciate your time coming on the show, Lou. Uh, no, no problem at all. I just want to say, you know, get out there and hunt and 
when you don't see deer, like my year has been this year so mm-hmm. far, right? Um, still get out there and hunt. You can't get them on your couch. That's, yeah, that's for right. sure. That's and, right. Can't get them from watching you know, TV. <laughs> down in Texas, the beautiful thing about Texas is, you know, deer season comes, deer season goes, but bow hunting is not over. No. You can hunt hogs. You can hunt, you know, you can. Exotics, turkey, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you can do exotics, turkeys, everything like that. And up in my home state of New York, you know, you got deer season, turkey season, you're done. Yeah. You know, turkey season, deer season, plane ticket. Down there. Right. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that you're done. Yeah, that's your destination. Well, and the other thing to that that we do in the off season here, and I'm part of Hill Country Bow Hunters um, 3D yep. Club, which is a really big deal. Uh, and then yep. Lone Star Bow Hunters Association does some deer hunting, uh, you know, or does some uh, some hunting, and they also do some uh, 3D clubs, 3D archery clubs. But that's a great way to keep sharp in the off season. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it is, and you can you can have a lot of fun. I used to go to there with you know a group of guys. And, uh, you know, we, we'd shoot a certain way. We, it was like pig, you know, somebody shot a certain way. And if they hit in the kill zone, next guy had to shoot just the same way, yes. you know, you know, it was, it, we would play games with it. We just try to have fun doing it, but you're right. It does, uh, sharpen up your, your shooting. Yeah you know, in the woods atmosphere. So that's good. It it's makes really you good. bring, bring your a game. And I mean, that's the one thing that's helped me do as a bow hunter. And even though I hunt with crossbows a lot and not necessarily yep. all compound, bow, it's all, it's yep. all bow hunting. It's all stick and string. It's all fun. It's all like my dad hunts with my old crossbow. It's a Barnett C5 right. wildcat. And he, he says, you know, Dustin, it gives me a chance to experience what you experience being up close and personal as a bow hunter. But I, I right. have to have soldier shoulder surgery. He has shoulder issues and yeah, I right. can't so, hunt like with the right, he can't pull back a compound bow to save his soul even even if it's low poundage and you know i that's why i'm saying this is just the outdoor lifestyles for everybody you know i mean that's it, exactly yeah. get out there and hunt have a good time you know if you're shooting a, a slingshot get right. out there and hunt right. which they make yeah, both slingshots now too so yeah <laughs> illegally and humanely take a deer if that's sure. what you're after right then go ahead and have fun and do it you yeah, know absolutely. or not or go out and just watch them you right. know what i mean and don't take the shot Right. doesn't matter have fun get outside you know out on the pavement a little bit and get away from your couch and your tv sure good for no that's good do you want to give any contact info for for people to find you i know we've got some photos for you on on uh and videos for you on uh fishgame.com is there any other way you'd like to connect with our audience mr rockstar okay. um no i just i was just going to say you know fishgame.com you can subscribe to our digital magazine and read the entire thing on our website um through the through the mobile friendly blog and you have a column in there every month which is great and yeah um, they can reach me they can reach me on there yeah, you can email the contact game. us email at fishgame.com and we'll we'll get the yeah. message to Lou. So um, yeah, that's, that's great. Good. But this has just been a fantastic interview as always. Yeah, man. Listen, I got it. I'll be gone from February this year until March, April. I'll be gone from February until May this year. So are you on so tour again, reason. or what are you? What are you? Yeah, doing? we start in. I uh, start in Tel Aviv. The February second farewell 25th. tour is that what this is? Yeah, this is the second farewell tour <laughs> <laughs> for Man of War. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, this, is, a, this is our second farewell tour. Uh, yeah, so we start in Tel Aviv, and uh, at one point, you know, I at one point on April sixteenth, about four hundred miles south of the North Pole. Oh wow! So this, you know, they have a, where it is, they've got a, uh, it's a law, it's a city law that if you walk the streets 
somebody has to be carrying a rifle. That's a <laughs> because of the because of the animals, I guess. Polar bears. Polar bears. Because yeah, they'll polar eat you. Bears, yeah. Yeah, really that's bad. Funny. So, <laughs> oh my god. I hope I see a polar bear when I'm there. There you go. Not that's chasing right. me. Okay. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So. <laughs> Well, thank you, Lou, again. I really appreciate your time on the podcast. Hey, no problem at all, Dustin, anytime. You know that. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Lou Marillo. You can find him at Texas Fishing Games' website, fishgame.com. You can tag, uh, type in his name to find the post that he's tagged in. He is a big proponent in our magazine as far as our digital issue goes. And um, you can check out the digital issue and get, uh, I believe, there, uh, there are all kinds of subscription levels you can get at fishgame.com. Where we've hosted the entire digital magazine instead of our own app now. We're hosting it all at fishgame.com. Uh, so the content and everything like that will look similar to what you uh what you get to see in the magazine and the blog all on the uh on online at the um at the uh at the fishgame.com website so all of it's going to be hosted on that website just under a paywall which is not very expensive at all for the digital subscription you get the print with the digital you get the digital with the print is what i'm trying to say so be sure to do that also a little housekeeping please make sure you sign up for our newsletters that i talked about at the beginning of the podcast uh they are free and uh two actical tactical and practical tuesday you have wildlife wednesday and you have the thursday texas state of the outdoor nation uh all that stuff is for your knowledge to help you make you a better outdoorsman to help make you a better outdoorsman i should say um and there's just so much content i've delivered a lot of different blog posts and uh and videos and articles and stuff that i've delivered to the magazine both as well as to the um the the blog and if you just Go to my name under the search for the author. You can see all my products there, all my all my products, all my uh, my uh, podcast and episodes there, uh, and as well as all of the uh, the podcasts you can see on a separate page, and then all of my articles that I've written. So uh, that's all there, and it's all free. It's all for you to consume and uh, enjoy being a better outdoorsman. I learn every episode I do of this podcast. I learn from our guests, so I'm by no means saying I'm all high and mighty as some big outdoors guru. You know, I love media. I love being able to to share my passion for the outdoors with you guys and that just brings it all home for me and like we were saying in the podcast man i mean reach across the aisle and i've talked about this ad nauseum on the show but look i'm just saying reach across the aisle and uh you know encourage other people don't tear people down you know just because they think different than you do or hunt different than you do or don't hunt at all and believe in anti-hunting uh rules and rhetoric and that kind of stuff seek first to understand then to be understood uh it's one of the seven habits of highly successful people so um i think that's that's something that we need to do as hunters and fishermen and anybody else that's that's going out in in a world full of PETA and all these other animal rights organizations that basically uh, make a big deal about what we do as well as other people that are you know unbiased and have no interest in the sport at all as well as people that um, are uh, are just trying to uh, you know get into the sport for the first time. I mean, we need good mentors out there. We need good mentees out there. We need good people that are going to help spread this sport to the next generation. And that's something I'm so so passionate about, guys. Is that so? Thank you guys so much for watching, reading, and listening. Have an awesome day in the outdoors. We'll see you next time.